Hey, this is Pastor Jeff Workmeister of Elevate Church, and welcome to our podcast. I want to thank you for listening today. I hope this inspires you, encourages you, and builds your faith. Enjoy the podcast. Who wants to be encouraged today? Yeah? A couple of you? I said, who wants to be encouraged today? All right, we're going to let the word encourage us. Go with me to uh, Genesis chapter 25. We're gonna just kind of camp in there today. Uh, If you have a Bible, pull out your Bible. If you got an e-Bible, pull out your e-Bible. If you got something to write some things down, I encourage you always to write down some things that God's speaking to you because he will. (laughs) Amen? Can I say that? He will. If you're receptive today, if you want it today, he'll speak to you. It'll bring life change to you, it'll strengthen you, it'll give you hope. All right, verse 21 says this, Isaac prayed uh, to the Lord on the behalf of his wife because she wasn't able to have children. Can I just say to all the husbands, pray for your wife, okay? Pray for your spouse. God, you're her covering, okay? Men, you are your wife's covering, And as you pray for your wife, God's grace and blessing and favor will be poured out upon her. Amen? Okay? Come on, guys. Come on, men. It says this. Did I get it? Oh, come on. Yes. Yes. Listen. The Lord answered Isaac's prayer. Rebecca became pregnant with twins. Can I say to anybody that is trying to have children, never give up. I'm telling you, never give up. Never give up on the Lord. Never give up on his promises. Take hold of his promises. Take hold of his truth. His promises are yes and amen. They might not happen in the timing, in the fashion that you always want and desire. Okay, we have friends that they have been trying and they tried for eight years. It took them eight years, but God blessed them. They didn't lose faith. They didn't lose hope. Okay, There there is so much power in trusting the Lord over seasons sometimes, right? Not always having what you want at the moment. And he prayed for his wife and she became pregnant. The two children, but two children struggled within her womb and she asked the Lord about it. What is happening to me? And the Lord told her, the two sons in your womb would become two nations. From the very beginning, these two nations will be rivals. One nation will be stronger than the other and the older son will serve the younger son. And when the time came for her to give birth, Rebecca discovered that she indeed had twins. The first one was very red at birth, covered with thick hair like a fur coat. Now listen, we believe that all the children of Elevate Church are beautiful and and lovely and awesome, but if your child has a fur coat, that's another thing, okay? All right? So it's just another another thing there, okay? I lost my spot. All right. Verse 26, the other twin was born and with his hand grasping the heel, uh, Esau's heel, they named him Jacob. Isaac was six years old when he had twins were born. Can I say to all people in the house today that are in a season that you are a seasoned man or woman of God, can I just speak to you? Your season isn't over, okay? Your time is not over. It's only over when you give up. So I'm asking you today, don't give up, okay? Listen, the church of Jesus Christ, this church 
needs men and women of God, needs fathers and mothers. I lo- listen, can I just brag on Tammy DePenty right now? She, she has this small group with a bunch of young women in our church, and she's pouring and investing into the next generation, and I'm so thankful for you, Tammy. I'm so thankful for men and women that are in a season, that they're seasoned, that come alongside and go, we're going to stand with young families and young believers, and we're going to pour into them and invest in them because my season isn't done. Until I'm in the grave, I'm here to do the work of the Lord. Can I get an amen? Amen. Come on. Season's not done. Verse 27. When the boys grew up, Esau became a skilled hunter, and the man was a man of outdoors. But Jacob was quiet, a peaceful man living in the tent. Now, Isaac loved and favored Esau because he enjoyed his game, and Rebekah loved and favored Jacob. Can I speak to all the parents, all the grandparents in here today? Don't do this. Don't do this. I know... you will have natural propensities to enjoy different children because they have different personalities. And maybe one child is more like your personality and another child is more like your spouse's personality. But can I just warn you, don't treat your children differently. Don't love them differently. You might have a child in a season that is really successful and they're doing well and they're doing well at school and they're listening to you well and they're cleaning up and just just excelling and then you may have another child that's struggling. Don't pin them against each other. The child that's struggling really needs your love, really needs your support, really needs you to believe in them, amen? Don't do this to your children. Your children, that will cause your children to be bitter and to be angry and to be frustrated with who they are. And your job as a parent is to love and encourage them to become men and women of God who know their identity and know who they're called to be. Verse 29, Jacob cooked reddish brown lentil stew, some soup, one day. Esau came in from the field, and he was famished. Who says famished? (laughs) That's such a proper word. I am famished. (laughs) Verse 30, Esau said to Jacob, please let me have some, uh, some of that red stuff there because I'm exhausted and I'm famished. Jacob answered, sell me your birthright of the firstborn son. And I know to us in our day, in our culture, this isn't a thing, but you gotta understand biblically in that time, in that moment, when you were the firstborn, you had rights to your future, favor to your future, blessing to your future, increase to your future. So when he's asking for the right, for the firstborn, that right, it is a big ask. This is a monumental statement, a monumental ask. Esau said, look, I'm about to die if I don't eat soon. Anybody know anybody like this in your life? It'll be like 11 o'clock and it'll be like, can we get some food? I'm like, can you just chill? It's 11 o'clock. They're like, I'm about to die. I'm like, 
Well, then die. Just, just die. I mean, if you're really going to die, you're not, I mean, just die. I, I want to give, uh, give Pastor Matt some props because he's about to die a bunch of times, and I just keep working, and we just keep working. I just, I love you. Thanks for, thanks for not dying on me and, and working. Appreciate you. I'm about to die, he said. So what use is this birthright to me? Jacob answered, swear an oath to me today that you are selling me your birthright for this food. Swear to me today that you are selling to me your future, your blessing, your favor for this bowl of soup, this food right in front of you. Verse 34, Jacob gave Esau some bread and lentil soup. He ate and drank and got up and he went on his way. This, this is why Esau scorned his birthright, meaning he didn't care for it, didn't have any need for it. Uh, point number one today is this, hungry and starving, hungry and starving. Anybody hungry right now? You're hungry, starving, yeah? Hungry, yeah, bless you. Cracker barrels coming soon, I promise, okay? Um, how many of you know when you get hungry and famished and tired and starving, it is like your brain doesn't work anymore? We call this what, hangry, right? You, you get hangry. And, and I wanna use a different term instead of hangry. I, I wanna say, you're not hangry, you're really just, you're anxious, Right When you're starving and you're hungry, you get anxious and all of your thoughts are now consumed on what? On what I'm gonna eat, where I'm gonna eat, and when I'm gonna eat. It's like that's the only thing that your brain can communicate. Like what are we gonna eat, where we're gonna eat, when we're gonna eat. Now, this happens the same way in life. When we desire something in life, an achievement in life, a relationship in life, I mean, you can fill in the blank however you want. We can get anxious, worried, fearful, thinking what, when, where, why, how. How's this all gonna happen, God? When is it gonna happen, God? How am I gonna achieve this, God? When is this gonna come together, God? Where am I gonna have this, God? We can get real fearful, anxious, worried because we're starving for something, we're hungry for something. And what I'm really trying to say is this, we're really looking for something to bring comfort to the moment. We're trying to figure out how can I find comfort in this moment? You're trying to figure out how can I find peace for my soul. My soul is wandering. My soul is weary. My soul is tired. And my soul keeps telling me, if I get this thing, if I get this award, if I get this promotion, if I get this, then I'll be happy. And because we don't have it right away, we start figuring out things to fill those desires in the moment, and we end up pursuing things like ideas. Isn't it interesting how when you don't have something, the amount of ideas that will flood your thoughts about how you get that thing? But can I warn you today, those ideas aren't always from God. <laughs> They're not always from the throne room of heaven. 
that sometimes you need to take those ideas that you have and weigh them against the word of God, weigh them against God's truth and ask God, hey, is this something from you or is this something that the enemy is trying to lead me down a road that I don't need? We start pursuing ideas. We start pursuing thoughts. We start pursuing events. We start looking for things to fill the hunger, to remove the anxiety of how I can get how, when, why, where. We start pursuing all these things. And the problem is we then neglect the things that are right in front of us that we're truly called to, like our children, right? Our children that really need our focus, really need our attention. And everybody in this room that has had children understands what I'm talking about. You can be right next to your child for literally hours, but not be there. You're not present. They're asking you question after question and request after request, and somehow words just come out of your mouth. Your brain just functions, but you're not there. You're not with them. You got a mission right in front of you. And God's going, you're so busy and consumed with the ideas and the thoughts and the plans of trying to fill the hunger in your soul. You can't see it. You can't see your spouse. Do you know that your spouse, can I speak to everyone in here that's married today? Your spouse is not a burden. Oh, man, we're gonna have some broken marriages if I don't get an amen real quick. Your spouse is not a burden. Your spouse is a blessing. But when you're preoccupied, when you're chasing, when you're looking to fill your soul, your spouse is a burden. They're just in the way. Your spouse is a blessing. God brought your spouse to to strengthen you, to help you, to bless you. You can't see it that way. You can't see things like health plans properly, right? You just ignore health plans because where's the time? I'm chasing all these things. I'm chasing these ideas. I'm chasing these plans. I'm chasing these things. So how in the world can I have health? How in the world could I really, really spend time with Jesus when I'm chasing can I just say something? And, and this, is, this has been true over and over and over again in my own life, and I've had to reevaluate and press pause and make adjustments. But, it, but if your life is too busy for you to spend no time with Jesus, then you are saying yes to the wrong things and no to the right things. If, you, if, if you're like, and listen, I'm not here to tell you that your life isn't that busy. I really believe it is. And I really believe that's part of the enemy's plan is to just run you ragged from morning till night. And if you can't find a moment to pray, if you can't find a moment to read God's word, if you can't find something to fill your soul, you're chasing ideas, you're chasing plans. And really what's happening, you're just selling your birthright for some soup. Point number two is this, soup doesn't last. Soup doesn't last. Now, here, I'm gonna tell you something. I'm not a soup guy, okay? I know there's a bunch of soups or supers in here, and there's a soup community with soupy people, and you know what I mean? And 
you do your soupy things together and you know, it's, it's all good. Now, here's what I know about soup though, okay? Soup definitely has an aroma, it definitely has a smell, right? Like you'll walk into a restaurant and you'll smell, you know, yell out your favorite soup, one, two, three, go, yell it out. Broccoli, really broccoli? That's disgusting. You're disgusting people, okay? Whatever your chicken tortilla, that's Jess's favorite. If you like broccoli, we'll give you a pass, okay, all right? So you walk in, you smell it, there's an aroma, it's, you know, it invites you in, and then there's the flavors, right, right? Again, I'm not a soup person, but there's flavor. Jess tells me soup is full of flavor, and she's a flavor fanatic, okay? And so there's flavor, right? And then really, what, what does soup do? It's a feeling, right? I mean, fall comes, and it's like, you know, social media is like, here's 45 soups you can make this fall and winter as you hibernate, you know what I mean? So soup is a thing, right? But if you can write this down, I want you to write this down. But the problem is it doesn't have staying power. It doesn't, it doesn't have staying power. Anybody that's ate soup knows that like 20 minutes later, you're like, can we have a meal now, right? That, that wasn't a meal. Matthew chapter four, verse four, it says this, but Jesus told them, no, the scriptures say, people don't live by bread alone. And I know a lot of times we're so literal when we read the word of God, and I know Jesus is talking about the devil has told him to turn the stones into bread. He's talking about actual bread, but he's also talking about so much more. He's talking about life. He's talking about life. He's talking about all the things that we run after, all the things that we pursue outside of his kingdom. And he goes, but people don't live on bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. So I want you to ask yourself this question today. Am I hungry for soup or am I hungry for a meal? Am I hungry for soup? Because soup is an appetizer. Now, I don't know about you, but when service is done, I mean, I stopped eating yesterday probably around four o'clock. I don't eat in the mornings. And when I get done today, with the third service, I promise you, I'm not looking for soup, okay? I'm looking for a, a meal, right? I don't need an appetizer. I need a meal. And the problem is this. When Jesus isn't your meal, when Jesus isn't satisfying the longings of your soul, because can, and oh my gosh, I just, sometimes I just want to, like, please, please understand, that's not just church talk. That's not just a pastor talk thing. Jesus can actually satisfy your soul. He can actually fill your soul. But when he's not doing that, all that we get is just soup. We're just left with soup. Whatever the enemy serves up to us. I was at a high school basketball game uh, the other day, and I haven't been to a high school basketball game in quite a, quite a while. And 
it was kind of like a cool moment. It's like, anybody understand like when you're a part of something in a community and like a way of things, like you just, you're like, you get those people and you understand those people. And even when those people are like crazy and outrageous and like do the dumbest things ever, you're like, yeah, I get it. I'm one of them, right? But then you get away from it. And then you come back and you're like, oh, I'm not one of these anymore. So I went to this high school basketball game and it was one of those games, it was just like electric. Like the place was packed, two crazy fan bases. The game was really good. It was like back and forth, back and forth. And, and, and then during the course of the game, like, like the coach, one of the coaches got a technical and players got a technical. And, and then at one point in the game, they stopped the game because they actually kicked out some fans because they were yelling like obscene things from the crowd. And, and, and I was there and I thought to myself, these two fan bases are believing and acting like this is life or death. Like literally, like it was life or death. But when your soul isn't satisfied from Jesus, it is life or death. It's what you think will satisfy you. See, we believe that exterior things outside of Jesus can fill our soul, but it's just soup. And, and hear me out today. I'm not telling you soup's bad, right? Soup's not bad. Soup's good. Your kids' sports are good. Going on vacation is good. Your accomplishments are good. Your, your career is good. None of these things are bad. They're just soup. They're just soup. I, I have a friend. Um, he's a pastor in Michigan, Pastor Eric Jones. He's actually coming in April to speak. I want to make sure you don't miss that service. It's going to be a really great day, a really powerful day, and I'm excited to have him here. And um, we... We were talking uh, last Sunday night, and, and he was telling me just, you know, just how euphoric the state of Michigan has been. And I know, listen, I know that that's like a cuss word, okay, all right? I know it is in, in Ohio, right? But he was talking about how excited people were about the Detroit Lions. And to Kyle and to everybody else that's a Lions fan, listen, I'm really sorry. Like, I really am. And I'm really happy at the same time. I don't, it's a, it's a whole bag of emotions. I, you know, so we were talking last Sunday night and, um, and, and we were at dinner and the, we had the game on and it was halftime and I looked at him. I was like, bro, I think the Lions are going to the Super Bowl. He's like, he's like, he looked at me and he goes, I don't know, man. He's like, I was like, he's like, let's just, let's just pump the brakes, you know? And, but he was like, the whole state has been so happy, so euphoric. He's like, he's like, I went to Meyer the other day and somebody actually said hi and can I help you? And he was like, I was like just so blessed by that. He's like, you know, I got up to the register and she, he's like the girl doing the cash register. She's like, isn't it a great time to be alive? He's like, yeah, this is awesome. He's like, I'm at church. He said, I can say Detroit. And like the whole church yells lions, you know? And he's like, it's just been so much fun. Until when? About 10 o'clock last Sunday night when I was with him and dread was coming over him. He texted me, he got back home 
you know, flew back home to Detroit and said, it's a sad, sad world here now. <laughs> Why? It's just soup. It's not bad, right? But I'm not telling you not to go to sporting events. I'm not telling you not to be a fan. I'm not telling you, but it's just soup. How often do we trade away our birthright for soup? Something that's not gonna last? Point number three is this, don't forget who you are. Esau forgot who he was. He was the firstborn. And as the firstborn, he had rights given to him for his future, blessing for his future, but he forgot who he was. This is what the Bible says he said. He said, so what is this youth of this birthright to me? What's the use of this? When you forget who you are, you forget your rights. Can I say this to you? The enemy is fighting you so hard, lying so hard to you, telling you that being a Christian is so hard, and is it really worth it? Right? Like, is it really worth it? Can I give you a statement? And the statement today is this. Yes, it is worth it. It's 100% worth it. And I promise you, you're gonna have days on earth where it's gonna be tough and it's gonna be hard because Jesus said to us, the, the road to heaven is narrow, right? The, 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 the road to hell is wide. Many people find that road, but the road to heaven is narrow and it is difficult and it is hard to be a follower of Jesus, but I can promise you it will be worth it. Amen? When you stand before the King of Kings and he goes, well done, my faithful servant, come into the joy, you're gonna be like, oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, I held on. Esau forgot who he was. Do you know you have birthrights as a follower of Jesus Christ? That Jesus paid a great price for you when we're talking about forgiveness? It frustrates me so deeply how every year we will get so excited on Easter Sunday about the stone being rolled away and Jesus being resurrected and Jesus overcoming, but I'll say, hey, today you're forgiven. You are renewed by the blood of Jesus, and we just go, we give him a golf clap. We forget who we are. Do you know that you're redeemed by Jesus? Do you know that you're not perfect, that you're a sinner, you're a wretched sinner, only saved by grace? And if you weren't, you wouldn't be here. If you were perfect, you'd go to heaven right now, but obviously you aren't, so we're all a bunch of sinners in this room, okay? But you know what I love about that? We're all a bunch of sinners saved by grace, by the goodness of God, by his mercy, by his kindness, by his tender heart, don't forget who you are. Listen, when you care about something, you protect it. Esau didn't protect his birthright because he didn't care about it. Look, anybody knows that if I have a house and a home full of children, I'm gonna protect my home. I'm gonna put a, an alarm system on it and I might have a few guns because I'm making sure that I protect the most valuable things. 
I'm not talking about the couch or the Nespresso maker or the things that you have. I'm talking about your children, your spouse, your family. You protect those things because you care about them. Do you know that John 10.10 says that the devil, the enemy of your soul, wants to steal, kill, and destroy your relationship with Jesus. He wants to take away your God-given rights, everything that Jesus accomplished on the cross. He wants to steal it. I would warn you, tell you today, protect your birthright. Protect what Jesus has done for you. It doesn't just affect you. Do you know it affects your children? Do you know it affects your future grandchildren? Do you know it affects the generations after them? Do you know that one generation that stands for Jesus can affect generations five, six, seven years, or generations down the road? But the opposite can happen too. When you don't serve Jesus, when you don't allow him to satisfy your soul, when you sell your birthrights for some soup, you get lost in the fray. Your children can get lost real quick. Grandchildren can have huge ramifications. Don't forget who you are. Point number four is this joy. Joy. He said this, first sell me your birthright, the right to the firstborn. Esau looked at him, I'm about to die if I don't eat soon. So what use is this birthright to me? I want you to write this down. Esau lost his joy. Esau lost his joy. You can hear it in his response. How many of you know that life is not necessarily about what you say, but how you say it? It's not about what you say, it's how you say it. Pay attention to people's words. Pay attention to how they say stuff. You'll, you'll get a better insight of where they're at in their soul. You can hear it in his response. In his response, there's this word, tension. You can hear him. He goes, I'm about to die. I'm so tired. I'm so famished. I get it. There, there's a heaviness in the, in the earth right now. There's a tension in the earth right now. The Bible said in this last days, in the last days, that men's hearts would fail them for fear for what's gonna come on the earth. You can hear it in his response, he's discouraged, right? I, I gotta eat soon, about to die, he's discouraged, he has no peace. You hear it in his response, he has no joy. But here, let me be real with you. Let me be the first to say, it's really easy to lose your joy. It happens real quick. You know, a bunch of you are gonna go to jobs today or tomorrow that you're not super jazzed about. 
It's hard work. It's long hours. Doing things that you probably never thought that you were going to do, dreamt about. It's real easy to lose your joy. How about having kids? Those who have kids. They just cry a lot over and over again. We're flying home the other day and there was multiple children on the flight. I was like, God, why today? And I thought, is there any way these AirPods can get any louder? Please, God, crank the volume. There was a lot of crying on the plane. Parents, now there's a lot of cleaning. Can I get an amen from anybody that, that repeatedly cleans their house over and over and over again? And, and I'm talking about that cleaning where like you send the children away and then you clean, like you deep clean the house and you have everything in its place and everything is in its order and you're like, finally, peace. And then the children come back into the home and 20 minutes later, you're like, God, where's my peace? What happened? Anybody has kids knows there's a lot of there's a lot of cooking, right? There's a lot of sports, there's a lot of traveling, a lot of taking them all over the place. There's a lot of homework. And if all this wasn't enough, there's this dreaded word called laundry. Laundry. Mike, how God, how does this room keep filling back up? How? Over and over again. It's real easy to lose your joy. How about heavy seasons? I know I've gone through some. I remember when my mom got diagnosed with mouth cancer and it was just a heavy season. Not that my life slowed down to handle that, We were actually in the warehouse at that time and it was a busy season and we were trying to find this building and, and it was, that was difficult enough and then my mom has cancer now. It was a heavy season. It was a hard season. You know, I gotta call doctors for her and I gotta, you know, make sure that financially that she was okay and I, you know, every day, you know, I, it's in the back of my head and, and it was just a heavy, hard season. And some of you know what I'm talking about. Some of you are in a heavy season right now. I remember when, when she passed away that I felt a sense of relief, but at the same time, I felt horrible for that. And at the same time, I had grief and I was heartbroken and it was just such a mix of feelings and emotions every single day. It's real easy to lose your joy. How about juggling life? You're going to school, you're, you're playing sports, you're, you're working, you're trying to hang out with your friends, you got family events to go to. How many of you know there's just too many family events sometimes? Like, I'm like, no more birthday parties in Jesus' name. No more, right? I mean, at Christmas, I was like, can we just end Christmas? I'm done with Christmas, you know? And then all the expectations of life, it's just real easy to lose your joy, right? 
It's easy to lose your joy. And here's what happens when you lose your joy. When you lose your joy, things like your relationship with Jesus, you know what I mean? You're just kind of like, you're just kind of like, eh. It, it just doesn't, it just doesn't hit the same. It's just not happening the same. And so the devil will come in and he'll say, hey, sell me your birthright, right? Give me your birthright. And our response is, what do I need this birthright for? I got no joy right now. I got no joy. I don't, I don't, I don't see life this way. I don't, I don't have any joy in my soul right now. But can I, can I tell you something today? Here's the problem. Joy has nothing to do with your job, your kids, your problem, your situation, or your life. See, here's the issue. We get the feeling of happiness confused with joy all the time. These are two different things. The feeling and the emotion of happiness and real joy, these are completely different things. I promise you, you will have lots of feelings of happiness when you're on your cruise. It'll be a great day. You'll be on the cruise boat. You'll look at all the peasants that aren't on the cruise boat. You'll wave at them like, see you later, suckers. We're going to the beach. They're gonna make lobster for me tonight, yeah. You'll have a lot of feelings of happiness in those moments. You'll have a lot of feelings of happiness when spring break rolls around, right? A bunch of you are like, Pastor Jeff, I love you, but we're out. Spring break, we're, we're out of here. You'll have a lot of feelings of happiness when you're in the cabin in the woods and literally there's no human beings to talk to you anymore. You'll feel a lot of happiness when you're at that coffee shop or you're at that little niche restaurant that you love. But do you know that that's not joy? And do you know that the feeling of happiness comes and goes? Just comes and goes. I want you to write this down. Joy is a choice, not a feeling. I can choose to be joyful whenever I want to be joyful, and I can choose not to be joyful whenever I want to. It's a choice. It's not a feeling. I don't have the feeling of joy. I have the choice of joy. I want you to write this down. Joy is a decision. Joy is a decision. I want you to write this down. Joy is a mindset. It's a mindset. Joy is what I would call a daily habit. It's a daily habit. I want you to put that picture up for me, if you would. This is um, this is Jess's grandpa. We call him Papa. I loved Papa. He was amazing. Wonderful, wonderful man of God. 
I'll never forget the first time I met him. This might have been probably around that season when I first met Papa. I remember I, I walked up to him, and his name was Bill, and, he, and I was going to say, hi, Bill, and he said, he said, call me Papa. And he shook my hand, and he put a $100 bill in my hand. And I was like, I'll call you whatever you want to be called if you just keep doing this. This is phenomenal. I mean, I was so young and broke. I didn't have any money. I was like, $100. Like, I'm rich. And I remember he shook my hand, and he pulled me in real tight. He, he just knew the Lord. He knew the Holy Spirit. He had never met me in his life. Me and Jess had been dating, I think, for two months at that time. He pulled me in. He said, I want you to know I love you, and welcome to the family. He just knew. I love Papa. He just encouraged you. You know those people you get around? They just encourage you. They believe in you. They love you. Don't take those people for granted in life. They're so special. But Papa went through some serious medical issues and heart issues, and life was really tough, but there's this really cool story about Papa. He had a journal, and every day in his journal, he would write the day and the date, and then he would write these words, happy, sad, happy, sad. And he would circle happy every day as his choice to say, today, I'm choosing joy. It's a choice. Even though he was going through serious medical issues, even though he had had a, you know, triple bypass surgery, heart things, every day he was choosing, I'm gonna choose joy. I'm gonna choose the joy of the Lord. I'm gonna choose his strength. I'm gonna choose his hope. I'm gonna choose joy today. Joy is not a feeling, it is a choice. John 16, verse 21, it says this. It'll be like a woman suffering labor pains. I've watched this. Every time Jess gave birth to one of our children, I was like, praise God, I am a man. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> to all the women in here, I bless you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, okay? But it says this, when her child is born, her anguish gives away for what? For joy? Because she's brought a new baby into the world? Verse 22, so you will have sorrow now. Jesus says, hey, listen, I want you to know, you're gonna have some sorrow, you're gonna have some hard days, you're gonna have some trouble in this life, but he says this, I wanna give you a promise. I'm gonna see you again. I'm coming back. You're gonna see me again. Then you'll rejoice. You'll rejoice. And nobody can rob you of that joy. Jesus goes, hey, listen, as followers, as real devoted followers, I'm not talking about people that just say a prayer and believe that they're a follower of Jesus. I'm talking about as real devoted followers of Jesus, our hope is not in today. Our hope is in the day that we will be face to face with Jesus. And he says, well done, my faithful servant. Come into the joy that I prepared for you. That's where our real joy is that's where our real hope is it's not in soup 
If you think your joy is in circumstances, if you think your joy is in daily achievements, if you think your joy is connected to soup, you're, you're greatly mistaken. Your joy is in that you will see Jesus. Psalms chapter 30, verse five, it says this. For his anger is but a moment. Yes, thank you God for that. But his favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may endure for a night, but a shout of joy comes in the morning. Why does shouts of joy come in the morning? Because in the morning you wake up and you go, God, thank you that today I'm forgiven. I'm forgiven. I don't deserve this grace. I don't deserve your goodness. I don't deserve that. But God, I'm so thankful that I am forgiven. And God, I thank you that I am the righteousness of God seated in heavenly places next to God the Father. Thank you, God. And can I tell you something today? The only way you could be seated next to the Father is if you were clean. And the only reason you're clean is because Jesus died on a cross and made you clean and poured out his blood so you can be clean. And you have joy because you know and you can see what God is doing. Romans 8, 28 says this, and we know with great confidence that God who is deeply, deeply concerned about your finances, about your future, about your children, about your spouse, about your life, the God who is deeply concerned about us causes all things to work together as a plan for good for those who love God. Joy comes when we know who we are in Christ Jesus. When we know our birthright, we know what Jesus has done for us. And we're not looking to the pain of today, but we're looking to the future, the day that we're gonna see Jesus. I want you to stand up this morning. I wanna teach you how you restore your joy. We restore our joy by one way, and it's through thanksgiving, and it's through praise. It's the moment that you start looking at life and going, God, I thank you for my children. I thank you for these kids that are running around and they're wild and they're crazy, but God, I thank you that you've given me the opportunity to steward their life. God, I thank you for the opportunity to love them. God, I thank you for the opportunity to be a parent and to show them the love of God. God, I thank you that I'm raising up the next generation, the future generation that's gonna change the world for you. God, I'm thankful for my children. God, I'm thankful for my husband. I'm thankful for my wife. God, I'm thankful for my job. Thank you that you provide for me. God, I'm thankful and I praise you and I worship you. That's how joy is restored. I want you to raise your hands. And I want you to just start thanking God, releasing praise, releasing grace. Say on God what you're thankful for. God, we worship you. Come on.